right, good morning, class. Welcome to Art Eater Podcast number 77. Uh, today, we got a real special guest, C. Bedford. They are an amazing illustrator and digital painter uh, who's who are working on an amazing-looking indie game called uh, Sorry We're Closed. Um, so, yeah, today, uh, just really excited to have uh, CB here. We'll be talking about their background in art, how they got into game dev, and all the highs and lows that come with the, uh, the indie game dev lifestyle. Uh, but first, uh, let's do a quick roll call of the Art Eater podcast. So um, I'm your host, Richmond. I'm, uh, you know, uh, outside of the podcast, I'm the uh, co-founder of BitEgg. Uh, we're an indie game developer based in Thailand. We also do art and animation uh, outsourcing. And uh, I love to be here talking about art and inspiring things with my, my friends here every week. All right, uh, Sean, passing the baton to you. Hey, I'm Sean. I'm usually here. Uh, I edit the podcast. Um, the UX director worked at Blizzard for uh, five years. I worked in the game industry previously with Richmond. Uh, now I work, uh, now I lead design teams at NZXC. We're a PC gaming company. And um, yeah, also here to talk about cool games, cool art, cool people. Hey everyone, this is uh, James Stanley. I am the resident fighting game expert at Art Eater. Um, I actually also work at BitEgg with Richmond. I am a business operations manager. Uh, when I'm not teaching employees how to play Third Strike or doing freelance character design illustration work, uh, I am actually running my uh, Patreon with uh, in-depth tutorials about my approach to illustration and keeping people updated on my indie project called Part-Time Shuffle. Uh, it's a love letter to a lot of things that I like. And uh, if you already follow me on Twitter and you see a lot of those things and you think you might be interested, feel free to check out my Patreon. It's uh, patreon.com slash bpkunoichi. And as usual, I am very excited to be here. So looking forward to uh, what happens with this episode. Yeah, what's up, everybody? It's Adam. Please be here once again. It's your favorite game, level designer, pixel artist, and international taekwondo fighter. It's great to be back here once again with the crew, and I know that we're going to have a fantastic time. If you liked anything that I have to say in this episode, go ahead and follow me over on Twitter at AJMathis. I'm going to pass the ball over to our fantastic guest, a wonderful artist and friend of mine. Everybody should be really hyped for everything that they're working on, and I would love to let them speak about it themselves. So without further ado, the wonderful C. Bedford. What's up? Tell the people where you are. Hey, yeah, what's up? Um, like, well, I'm just going to say, like, I was, like, quietly hyping you guys up, like, doing hand gestures and stuff while you're introducing yourself. So <laughs> <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> um, but no, thanks for having me on the show. Um, it's a great pleasure to be here. And, um, yeah, I... What do I do? I do art. <laughs> I, I started off doing art and like uh, painting, digital painting specifically. Um, then I kind of went into comics for a little bit, which I don't want to say I've given up yet. Just, you know, it's on the back burner. And then kind of fell into the games industry as a concept artist for a couple of years. And um, then decided, you know, I, me and my partner, we had an idea and thought, let's try and make this a thing. And that worked out. And well, it, it is working out currently. And let's just hope it stays that way, because we're currently in development. Um, I'm sorry, we're closed, as was mentioned earlier. So that's what I'm doing now. And I can get into all the fun technical details if anyone ever wants to know. The answer is probably no. But yeah, it's there. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, no, we're, we'll we'll get into all of that here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I just wanted to say, like, I you you are a very good artist. Like, I, I, your your work is is wonderful. Like, Thank it's, you. You just have such a strong voice. You know, like you, you're one of those artists where, like, you 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 see your work, you see a couple pictures, and you're like, oh, like this yep. is very distinct. Like, yep. like okay, <laughs> now there is a slot in my brain where it's like, okay, <laughs> this is C. Bedford's art. Like, whenever yes. I see a new piece, I'll immediately know. It's by Steve Bedford, and that—that's really cool. Like that—that that is, yeah. Uh, yeah, very, very distinct uh, aesthetic and style. Um, and then just the well—you're you're very well versed in in how to articulate a particular feeling uh, and feelings, mm -hmm. rather. Um, and I, I find that very fascinating. Like I would legit. Like, I've known you for no more than 30 minutes, but, like, I would legit buy an art book with nothing but Thanks. your work inside of it. It is quite amazing. So I am very honored to be uh, in your presence. Like, you are you are a dope artist. Definitely inspiring, too. Thank you. Thank you very much. I mean, I, I really, really appreciate the kind words and, like, sentiments and stuff. And... Um, I can, it's always like difficult because um, I'm sure you guys have been working in the industry and I'm sure you guys are very good at what you do. And I'm sure you've had plenty of like wonderful compliments as well. And it's always like, gosh, what do I say? Because you're just sort of absorbing it. And it's like, yeah, like really kind words. And yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, That's all we're here for, honestly. We should do that. We should do this more, I think, honestly. It's, it's a really good oh, sure, thing yeah. to just like give people their flowers, especially whilst they're able to receive them. And oh, I think okay. that it's something that a lot of the time, artists, developers, musicians, people in creative fields, they don't often get sort mm. of like that upfront yeah. feedback in a positive sense. And I just feel, yeah, we, just, we, we really want to, we really want to give you that, I think. Just we I can see the effort. We know what it takes and you're absolutely sublime and stellar yeah. in the field so just keep on doing yeah. a lot of that as well. on, on on the other flip of that uh as someone who like recently stepped in into a more official position in games i mm -hmm. understand exactly what that feels like when you do mm -hmm. something and people are like this is great this is you know and you're like oh you know like it's <laughs> it's still like a thing that happens uh and i don't I, personally i don't really think it'll ever go away i think that's part of the humanity of being a, a creative person is that like you know you're so focused on like making those things and creating that you know the idea of it being great or good it's like oh okay like i mean that's what we aspire to but when you hear other people say it it's like a yeah. you know it's a feeling I, I i will say uh most of the fantastic artists in the game industry i know have this exact thing they don't know what to do with the compliment they're yeah, like, yeah. oh, thank you. What do I do with my hands? And I, I, I think it's because of, <laughs> yep. like, people put so much, so you put so much, putting so much passion into it, and it doesn't really come from a place of trying to get recognition. So when it happens, you're, everyone's like, what, what do I do? Uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it's I think it's part of like um, part of the thing too is um, as you were saying, you're kind of focused on trying to make. Uh, a feeling or you're trying to express something outward right so it's coming from the inside and it's going outward and oftentimes I have this idea that because what we're trying to express is like so personal on the inside and we're so caught up in that when we put it out in the world I think sometimes it's like 
you have this sort of feeling that no one else is going to resonate with it anyway. Like you just feel like it, it's personal. You, you think like this only I'm experiencing this. And when people come back to you with like, wow, I totally get it. And also, you know, I think it's great. It is hard because you're like, I wasn't expecting that. Like I wasn't thinking that people would get it. And it's nice that it happens. But at the same time, I guess it's just hard to deal with the comments because like you said, it's we're not doing it for the compliments, we're doing it to express and to connect with the world. And yeah, when someone does connect back, it's it's hard. It's hard to like figure out how to deal with that because it doesn't happen every single moment and every single day. So, but it's a great feeling. It's it's an excellent feeling. And I'm glad that, you know, you guys can kind of get whatever it is that you're getting out of my work and feeling those connections and those feelings. And yeah, it's, it's awesome. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually wanted to get into that just a bit, actually, because we're just going to just going to fire off some like general question topics and we'll get into it. But yeah, just like talking a bit more about the sort of like, you know, that that expression that you're speaking about. When did you first sort of like feel that you wanted to express that through the medium of art itself? And then also like what were some of those first steps and like sort of like memorable moments that you can sort of like pull back out and remember from that oh, yeah. from those times? I, yeah, I definitely have a couple of those. Um, so. Um, it was when I was younger, um, to, just to sort of preface everything, my mom was always, she was the type of parent who was extremely supportive of whatever passion we had that week, you know, because as a child, you go through the different oh, things, don't you? Yeah. Well, and nice. she was like, that's great. Yeah, because she'd be like, oh my God, you're amazing. And like, it, sometimes you think that maybe it kind of hyped us up so much that we put more pressure on ourselves like she wasn't pressuring <laughs> us to be amazing but she told us how amazing we were that we felt that we had to just always be amazing but anyway I was kind of into playing like the piano and stuff for a little bit um because my my oldest brother was into music you know you copy your older siblings but the piano one day died and um <laughs> I ran out of batteries yeah, I ran out of batteries. The the plug into the wall didn't work anymore, and they were C batteries, you know, those big chunky things, and uh, those were yeah, those weren't cheap. So my mom always said, "I'll buy batteries later." She said, "You can really afford them," and she'll be like, "I'll buy them later. I'll buy them later." My second oldest brother was into drawing, and as well as that, um, I was about eight years old, I think, and he was so he was into drawing and into like you know some different like I think was he into Pokemon before me maybe. Anyway, the first, like, one of the days he comes back from school and he had, like, trading cards, like, Pokemon trading cards, and he was, like, showing them off to me. And he said, oh, by the way, my friend, he just collects all kinds of trading cards, he said. And he said, and he didn't want these ones, so he thought you might like them. And he gave me Aww. these. I can remember what they were. They were Sailor Moon trading cards. Oh, and, oh wow. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And... and it was weird because it was like they were stills from the show. They weren't like fighting cards. I do have fighting cards with Sailor Moon as well. I'll let you know. But anyway, <laughs> get back to the story. I had these Sailor Moon trading cards and my little like eight-year-old brain was like exploding. I was like, how can art be this perfect? Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's I just, great. Yeah, I was like, this is incredible. I'd never seen the show before. And um I was just obsessed with these cards and I just kept flipping them over and reading the back and looking at the front. And I was, I had that kind of 
wanting desire of like you know when you see a video game that you couldn't buy when you were little and you could just look at the oh, art yes. and the oh. score and you're like oh uh, yeah you, oh yeah, that hit me right right in the chest oh. <laughs> yeah you just fantasize about like 100%. what what mystery lies within these like you know within this case but that was me with the cards and um one day i am home from school sick and mom said i'll put the tv on for you and i couldn't believe it sailor moon was on it was on. It was oh, like, it, it was meant to be. Yes. Yes. And I just, from that point forward, I just kept drawing Sailor Moon forever and ever and ever and ever. And there was a lot of things going on in there. I wanted to be her, basically, but, you know, fat chance for that. Um, but essentially, as time goes on, fast forwarding to the next um, pinnacle of, like, uh, realization, I'm into my anime. I, I'm already well into... Um, uh, Pokemon at this point I'm in junior high school now and I'm like 11 years old and I was already playing like Jet Set Radio you know I was oh, always nice. oh, yeah. yeah that was that was it yeah. for me. so I'm drawing I'm drawing all these girls like roller skating like you know like in their roller blades and whatever and I had this one character I create I created and she had like blue hair and I called her aquamarine because I thought the word was nice anyway <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm sitting in timeout for talking too much with another kid in my class and I'm just drawing in the book and he looks at me and he goes why do you only draw girls what are you a lesbian and part of me what? Like, <laughs> wow. this is New York man they are, they are ruthless out there but yeah, this is New York and a lot of uh, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of speculation about my sexuality actually as a kid because you know I I am non-binary right so growing up as well my mom had no problem with me dressing how I wanted to dress I wore my brother's clothes I was very like I dressed quite androgynously uh, you know some and that was just natural for me and because of that because of my like kind of tomboyish looks so to speak at the time people just assumed you know, oh, they're a lesbian. But I'll tell you how this comes into the realization. So they say that, and not that I thought anything of it, because I wasn't actually interested in the comment. What it made me realize was that I could draw whatever I wanted. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, I can draw people I find sexually attractive. So... <laughs> Yeah, hell so, yeah. Man, you just keep becoming the homie the more you talk. This is amazing, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so at that age of like 11, I started drawing um, people that I thought were interesting and fascinating to me. And um, what that turned into over the years of teenage, like, you know, I, without going into the entire CB arc, you know, of like from my formative years into now essentially there was a lot of there was a point in my life where I suppressed a lot of my kind of natural instincts of how I am as a person I became quite hyper feminine and tried to um I had this thing in my mind for a long time like if I wasn't feminine enough I would be like caught out one day like I don't know how to describe it but basically I put on this disguise but my art I couldn't help it I was just I was just absolutely fascinated with the androgyny and kind of finding a place that wasn't, you know, I guess like the chasm between the binaries of, of life. And I think that was a common thread throughout my life because I'm mixed race and people 
all of my life while I was living in the States, just constantly tried to either guess what my race was in front of my face or ask me, Uh what are you? What are you made out of? So I never belonged in anything for Mm. anyone. And I think I felt the same exact thing with my gender. And um, I had and and it just had to come out and it just kept coming out in the art. And and, you know, even my partner, my longtime partner, there was a point in, in our relationship where he was worried. He's like, I don't look like the people in your drawings. And I said that that's okay because I'm not actually that attracted to the people in my drawings. And it turned out it was just me trying to draw what I wanted to be like and what I wanted to look like and how, what I, how I wanted to exist, you know, if unbothered by the world. So that's, you know, that's the story of the expression and, you know, everything else that comes with that, the emotions and I guess, you know, the the inner stoicism that I had to put on for myself. So no, and, and to other people, to their faces, I... I wasn't very stoic, but definitely to myself inside and internally, I had to be. Oh, yeah, look, look, yeah, um, the ones that Sean just posted, the Sailor Moon um, cards. 10,000! 10,000! Mm-hmm. Well, I have these yeah. cards! Holy shit! Uh-oh. What? <laughs> what? Uh-oh. Yeah, Wait, so basically, we... Sean, Sean, Sean posted in, in our little recording chat here yeah. uh, one of the like, a screenshots of like how much some of these cards are worth now. The eBay bids and various different I just went down a rabbit hole as soon as uh, C was like, oh, yeah, cards. And I was like, oh, Sailor Moon. I, I wonder. And then uh, Google was like, you want to check out these on eBay? And I was like, okay, sure, why not? And it was like $10,000. Wow. And I was like, oh. I have, I'm literally holding that card in my hand right now. Oh, okay. You got to vacuum seal that and then see what you get for it. Yeah. Well, the the important thing, everyone, is that these cards have really cool holographic effects on them. That's the important thing. Definitely. Ah, see, the holographic ones, sadly, the holographic ones, these ones I never got a hold of. The ones that I have are. I have the fighting cards, which is the ten grand one that you that like just you dropped there. Nice. Um, but these other ones that I have, they're like I can never find them online, and that's the thing. Like I've tried for many years to find them online, and they're literally like they've all got a purple background, and they kind of look a little bit bootleg. But you know, it's got sure. the Sailor Moon like logos all over it, and it's got like actual uh, gold foil on it too. So I was like, mm. well, they're not super cheap these ones, but like. I can't find them. That's the thing about Sailor Moon merchandise. So I will tell you, if you find any Sailor Moon merchandise or it's just come out, that thing is going to like triple in value in like a week. Because it never <laughs> used to exist. Assets, baby. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. never used to exist when I was little and growing up. Sailor Moon stuff was so hard to come by that um, it just, it just for whatever reason, they didn't think that it was going to be that big in the States, I guess. And um, mm. they just didn't make the merchandise for it. So loads of the stuff from back then just like skyrocketed in price just because people wanted it and it just didn't happen but yeah, yeah goodness me i'm gonna have to show my partner this one actually i'm gonna i'm gonna take a picture of that now and i'm gonna sh- i'm gonna send it to him there really is something to be said about like the ways in which the the ips that we enjoy as kids and like the the, the things that sort of get us started in our creative journeys and lives like just how much of an influence they really do have on us like one of my yes very much is pokemon as you mentioned before like that i remember very much literally say, saying to myself as a kid like i want to make something that makes someone else feel how i'm feeling like mm-hmm. right now like there's that there was like golden sun for me on the game boy advance there was Yu Gi Oh mm-hmm. cards just like a lot so so many of those things um 
wrapped up that kind of a that sense of awe and adventure i think that so many children feel when they're looking at something that again like not only do they want to enjoy they kind of want to be they want to embody they want to sort of like take into areas of their real life i very much felt that when you know, mm-hmm. looking at anime characters like Luffy, for example, one of one of my favorite characters of all time from One Piece, <laughs> the the sort of boy who wants to try and help out as many people as he can and will do anything to do so. Like I've always identified yeah. very much with that. And again, just hearing how you've spoken about the ways in which Sailor Moon very much influenced how it is that you literally, you know, saw yourself. I think it's it's really it's really important to just like, you know, have that just be said and known because again, like when we speak about the ways in which the representation influences people's decisions that can in essence charter areas of their whole lives, I think it's a really mm-hmm. important set of conversations that need to be had regarding how is it that we represent certain character sentiments, people and all of this. I think it's it's just really, really cool to to hear that yeah. and just think about how it is that that really i guess just affected you in such a in such a positive way i guess yeah Yeah. i mean with the thing about sailor moon as well um that's like a little bit um interesting that you know stuff that i didn't realize until i was much older well the first Mm. thing i really liked about her was um that i felt very related like relatable um she was clumsy she wasn't good at doing her homework she wasn't good at focusing she wasn't she was a heroine uh, or like a hero that had major flaws that were present almost at the st- the first thing you see of her were her flaws. Um, and c- compared to other like shows I was watching at the time, like, you know, Kim Possible or I, I didn't really watch oh, much yes. Kim Possible, but uh, other shows that kind of were coming out in the in in the States um, where the main hero is intrinsically good at all times. I found hard to kind of connect with because, you know, as a child, especially, you're often making so many mistakes. Um, And I'm sure that there there were still mistakes being made with children in certain cartoons because that's how they learned their life lesson. But I liked, I think, about Serena, as she's called in the States, was that she she found it really hard to learn these lessons. She was always late. You know, it wasn't like she had a lesson about being late and then she was, it was never brought up again. It was a consistent thing about her character, you know, and she struggled all the time with the same stuff. And it was like a person. And I think with a lot of other cartoons and um, other shows, they have a struggle for the week And then, like, they kind of get over it. It's not a theme that ever comes back. You know, it's not something that we kind of revisit or see throughout. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just wasn't paying enough attention to those shows because they weren't, like, drawn how Sailor Moon was. I don't know. But No, no, no. You're you're absolutely right. (laughs) There there is a depth (laughs) there. No, really. There there was definitely a depth there that wasn't present in a lot of other stuff, um, Mm. especially in the States. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I tried to explain this to my friend Christopher, because he said, um, as I said, my friend Christopher, he's very conscious and aware of like, social issues and how things are presented in the world. And he did bring up the fact he was like, you know, they're all very pretty, you know, white looking girls. And I said to him, I was like, yeah, that is that is the thing about Sailor Moon. There, there are not very many brown characters. There's like Sailor Pluto, who I think is one brown character that they do have. But it makes up for it in other ways. You know, the story, if you ever follow it, it's about, a, you know, a young mother. She ends up, her child from the future comes back to, you know, to to the past and is living with her at the age of 14. 
So she essentially has a child at the age of 14 and she becomes a young mother. And, um, and I thought that was absolutely fascinating. And not, that's not to mention the, um, the lesbian couple that was already in there that I knew was a lesbian couple, even though they called them cousins. And not to mention the kind of gender fluidness of, um, I always forget her name. Uranus. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, Stella Uranus. Yeah. And um, so there were so many layers, so many, many layers. And even in the comic um, that I have a copy of uh, that fell apart because I read it so many times, there's like a part where Serena is talking to uh, Sailor Uranus who comes up to her and they like almost kiss. And Sailor Moon's like, are you a boy or a girl? And Sailor Uranus is like, does it matter? And I was like, oh my God, like my heart, you know? Mm. So lots of poignant things in that show that just you know, kind of shaped me in a lot of ways and top of me living in New York and being around so many different kinds of people to begin with. So, no, nah, I've, I, you know, I, I was just into it. <laughs> absolutely. I, I just, I've just got yeah. to say just very quickly, just like shout out to Kim Possible for real. I absolutely loved that show. Like yeah. it was one of the shows which I... Oh, I was just so, so into it. I, I even had, I'll just put it in the chat there, but I had the actual, mm -hmm. the communicator beeps, a little, doo -doo 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 -doo, that little, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had that as my, as my ringtone. I had that as my ringtone from like, from about being like maybe about, maybe about yeah, 15, yeah, yeah. about like 16, maybe something like that, 14, 16. But like, I was in, I was in love with the show. I thought it was awesome. There yeah, was a, yeah. A period of time where there was, I, I'm from a family of, um, of, of, of mainly women on one side. I'm the only boy out of like a whole, like two All generations right. Of women on my mom's side and just like the amount of times that i would just be in a room and like it all be watching like impossible or totally spies or just like or just a variety of different shows that were kind of like ooh, it's just for girls but like it's not though like you can watch it and yeah. like it's still fun it's still really good like it's one of yeah. the things which i think is really i guess important specifically because like yeah like having that influence having that other widened area of life experience with respect to what it is that you're ingesting it helps people it allows you to grow and see yourself in different ways and yeah it's, it's a really wonderful thing i mean like one of my other like best friends shout rochelle he used to love a show called tokyo Mew Mew. like we, mm -hmm. we we gas up um totally spies all the time like there's 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 absolutely like nothing like wrong per se with like being yeah. in spaces that would allow for you to like watch these shows but i mean like i think that there's so much to there's, there's so much more to say about how much of a, of a positive mark that these shows can make like on us i suppose richmond's got something to say but i'm gonna i'm gonna bring something else up after him so you know pass over to yeah. richmond come on <laughs> Sorry, I, I just wanted to chime in real quick. Like, I think it's really interesting that, like, uh, you, you mentioned earlier, your friends said the characters look white. Like, for me, growing up in Asia, uh, mm -hmm. seeing Sailor Moon, like, unquestionably, they were all Asian. Like, I, I did not yeah. ever think they were uh, Caucasian looking, even if, you know, she's blonde, but, like, there's characters with blue hair, pink hair. Um, yeah. And so, like, in you know, in Asia, that's the default. Like, the, the other, like, would be white. Like, if a character were to be called out as white, like, they would have some something to make them stand out more substantially. Yeah. Um, to, but uh, also, um, I also remember uh, Naoko Takeuchi, um, I remember reading an interview where uh, she actually had like, uh, it wasn't her editor, it was someone higher up when she was doing Sailor Moon. Um, it was mm -hmm. actually like a man at the company was like, you can't make them all attractive. Like they can't all be hot. Like you, you got to make, <laughs> you know, they, they, you need to like make them more relatable. Like, and then she was like, no, they're all going to be sexy as hell. You know, like they're inspired <laughs> by me and my friends. They're all going to be hot. 
Like I'm not going to budge yeah. on this. <laughs> and, the, and the thing too, I think um, it's, it's the difference between being um, the person who's like making the thing and the person who's like absorbing the thing. And I've come to realize as well, like as I've gotten older, especially um, someone creating a hot character makes, I, I don't know. I think over time I've just realized that a person making a character isn't always about the person trying to say what they think other people should be like. Sometimes yeah. that, yes. that hot character is a reflection yeah. of themselves and how yes. they see themselves. And I think I realize like I can do that too. So in my, in my, um, Oh man, I'm, you're just posting like the uh, which call it the the Sailor Moon outfits, and I absolutely love like the the Chanel dress. There's been one particular Chanel yes, dress that they, um, that they've used for one of Sailor uh, is it Sailor Pluto's one of Sailor Pluto's outfits, and it looks amazing. But anyway, um, <laughs> but basically, um, I I now I put self inserts in everything, and I know that people always say like, oh, that's that's the worst thing a writer can do, and I never believe that. Oh, I think no. it's a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> Maybe, maybe if you're a boring person, then yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For me, I love making self inserts because I love like expressing a version of a version of myself in like a situation that is kind of part of my life, but it's like an exaggerated form of that. And um, I had a very distinct moment in I think, gosh, I could almost pin it to the year, maybe around 2015 or so, when. I sort of came out as non-binary to my my husband, and um, it was it was a hard time um, for both of us because like I had to unravel a lot of things. He met me when I was already quite hyper feminine and sort of like hiding that part of myself, so it was a huge change for him. And you know he he didn't understand a lot of this stuff because it wasn't really part of his world before um, at the time. Whereas for me, it always was a part of my world because when I shared my art, it always attracted people who had the same internal struggles as me. So, you know, basically me and all my friends ended up just being trans because through my art, we met through the same problem. We all met through the issue of having who we are that we put into the world and um, versus who we know we want to be. And the art was like the connecting factor because that's where we could be ourselves and it was okay. Like you could draw yourself or a version of yourself or an alter ego or some fictitious person and make them how you sort of, you know, fashion themselves after your own internal image. And people wouldn't really question it because you didn't have to tell them that. And um, essentially, I realized that I spent a lot of my time with my art idolizing particular types of, um, you know, facial features and bodies and, you know, having a lot of internalized self-hate. And, you know, I used to, when I was little, wish that I was white because I thought that that just meant you were attractive mm. or something. You know, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. And I realized yeah. that I was like, the people in my art, they look beautiful and glamorized because I am glamorizing them these facial features aren't inherently better they only look that way because i have made a decision to make them look that way i painted that nose and thought let's make it pretty right and i said mm -hmm. why don't i do that for my own features 
So, hmm. I, yeah, I made a slew of characters who I tried to, the best of my ability, have my features baggy. That's that's the Chanel dress, by the way. You just posted it. You just posted yeah. it. Fast. Mm, love it. Chain dress, really um, good. Yeah, but yes. um, but yeah. So I I made a slew of characters who had lots of different features, and I actually I actually think I made a Twitter thread about this briefly. Not very into too much detail, but I um. I gave them my features. Some of them had like what I felt I had really bags, like big bags under my eyes. So I gave some of them really big bags in their eyes and, you know, trying to get the nose shape the same, trying to get the lips the same shape, the skin color, the same color. And I was like, if I can make other people's features look sexy, then I can sure as hell do that with mine. And hell yeah. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, and that that gave birth to my various characters and and one particular self insert that I put in all sorts of um, things like particularly one comic which is X rated because <laughs> I thought that would be really funny. Yeah. So um, yeah, so that's yeah that's how that happened. Hmm. Gosh, it's oh, so good. So it's... cool. Yeah, yeah, it it really is awesome. Just like that's one of my favorite things to hear. The fact that someone can't get gets to actively sort of like you know they decide they they decide where it is that they want for their art to go, where they want for that very important part of like that personhood to to be. It's one thing which we speak about so much when we talk about art is a person's intent, their decision making skill, their ability mm -hmm. to create a version of themselves online. But also again, like it's the fact that like it's their choice. You know, it's their mm -hmm. choice where it is that they want to put that character their choice how they want for that character to, to develop and not only just like in the eyes of everyone else but in the eyes of themselves in their in their own yeah. you know thought processes and i think it's just it's really nice to hear you say that because i mean like taking ownership of our selves and sort of like being able to be like you know what sort of like perceived narrative about how it is that people can be pretty or not you know what forget that i'm doing it like i'm making the decision to yeah. be like you know, this is how i feel about like this and it's not to say that those other forces can't have hold over us but i think in spite of that that the strength really shines through and i think that our personal ability to discuss and also portray mm -hmm. ourselves it's one of the most important strengths that we have i think it's really it's really, it's really nice to hear you say that yeah Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad too, because one thing I often try to do, I always try to, especially when I'm at conventions and people see the comic that I'm in now, and I'm not going to be shy about it because there's no point. Um, it's a porn comic and I wanted to express and explore my gender and my, my sexuality and everything that came with that in the form of art because I was like I was like this is the safest place that I can do this like it I can yes. literally do whatever I want and I'll be fine yep. or, or maybe not you know maybe I'll <laughs> maybe I'll go through <laughs> yeah. but, oh, um, but, but real quick can you tell people the name of of the comic and where they oh, could yeah. find it uh yeah sure it's called 13 um I sell it on Gumroad under C Bedford um like just as my usual um my usual art name and um, I think I only have two chapters at the moment. And um, it started off kind of like as a jokey one shot. Like I was just going to do 13 pages for Halloween because I think it was actually on the 13th uh, that year. And sorry, not the 13th because because it, it's on the 31st. And I was like, oh, swap it around and like, you know, get like 13 and the unlucky number, whatever. So I did that. But I had so much fun with it, um, despite like what was going on in my life at the time that I thought, oh, I'll just, I'll just keep the story. I like the story. I like the characters. I'll keep doing that. And, um, 
I, I don't know, like, when, when I'm at the conventions and people see the comic, there's no hiding the fact, because, like, I often wear, like, this hat that my partner hates as well, <laughs> but I'm often wearing this hat. It's, like, in my avatar and everything as well, and, um... <laughs> when i'm wearing the hat at the convention so people recognize me and the character's wearing the hat so like you can already you know the connection is there so they're like kind of like what's going on here and (laughs) i always say like i don't know just i i always try to encourage anyone who creates to make a self-insert i think it's the healthiest and most fun thing you can do because like it's just like taking yourself and actually examining yourself because now when you make a self-insert it's not just you being perfect you know that's not the point of it because you're not right the point of doing the self-insert for me is like i get to fully examine everything that is good and shit about myself like be it my behavior towards other people me realizing how like i could be sort of inconsiderate which in turn helped me realize actually i think i have adhd with some things because like um i had this issue of memorizing you know I, i always forgot my husband's birthday and, you know, I've been with him for like, I don't know how many years now, I think like 14 or 15 years now. And I still can't always remember the date. Like I still mix it up between days. And I was like, I do love my husband. How can I, the one, you know, the person I love the most in the world, how can I not remember his birthday? And it kind of all came out that like, oh, there are other things that I struggle with. And, oh, maybe I actually have ADHD. And, um, but yeah, that kind of all came with me making that self-insert. I had to examine what do I actually do and how am I actually as a person? How do I look to other people? What does my body actually look like? I have this idolized version of my body, but what does it actually look like? And that's changing. I'm getting older. It's changing all the time. And it Mm. was like having to accept, like, my body looks like this. And then I had to think, can I make that sexy? And the answer is always yes. Because I know, as an artist, my specialty is I can make anyone sexy. So, it was amazing. That also made me think of, um, I've watched a, you know, like a large variety of shows online where there's like different types of makeovers and whatever. And I feel like one of the most consistent things that uh, I noticed that I think actually ends up helping a lot of people once realize it is like, Half the battle is just doing things like getting clothes that fit you and mm-hmm. are ones you like. Like, there's no consistent, there's the right way to do it, right? It's just about, like, highlighting which things that you're happy about. And that's, like, yeah. at least a lot of the good uh, shows where people are doing, like, you know, not like not crappy makeovers, like, just, re- like, really, yeah. like, nice ones. It always comes yeah. down to, like, everybody can look good. And it's just about, yeah. um, it's just about finding the thing that fits you. And further Absolutely. to the point, it's it's more so because when you start doing this like deep analysis of the self, it's not even about the external what fits you right. It's more about you feel that this fits you right. And because you like how it looks on you, you now think you look great to everyone, which is good. You know, it's it's like that inner mentality of do I look sexy? And often we kind of attribute it to the outside shape of ourself and also the way in which we are presented to other people. And one of the first things that we present to other people is the clothes and and the accessories and everything that comes with that. And that is in part, yeah, like you said, that the right fitting clothes. So like the right fitting clothes, yeah, they kind of help towards that. But the biggest thing is the comfort. 
And it's not necessarily the comfort of how easy is it to do a split in this. It's how comfortable <laughs> do you feel? How comfortable mm -hmm. do you yeah. feel wearing this in front of another person? And oftentimes when you see these transformation shows, the reason why the person could appear like more attractive or happier, healthier is because the clothes that they were wearing before were functional, but they did not feel comfortable wearing them. And a lot of the time I believe is because they were wearing those specifically to hide, to, to hide something, to hide themselves, to mm. hide, to like, you know, whatever insecurity that they had. So yes, they were nondescript. No, they weren't loud. Maybe they were physically comfortable, but they were hiding inside of them still. So at least that's my theory. You know, that's my theory. Absolutely. I, I will say, um, I just, I just wanted to add, see like the, in the, I don't know, hour that, um, I've known you so far and listened to you. Uh, I appreciate you're very self-aware and very insightful. Uh, oh, again, I know we were just talking about compliments before, but I just wanted to mention like, it's actually a quality that not a lot of people have. And it, it sounds like you've, you've gone through a lot that's helped you get there, but, uh, your, your analysis and breakdown of how things feel and how to think about them. Like I said, I think it's, it's very, it's very thoughtful and self-aware and I, I appreciate when people are, are that way. Oh, thanks. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I think, yeah, it's just one of those things where, you know, if you, if you get, end up with particulars, I think it's just because I ended up with particular struggles at you know, earlier ages. And also I, I think, um, with the fact that my mother being disabled uh, as she is, um, I think that I, was made aware of things at a very, you know, very young age compared to what most people had to, because I had, you know, certain responsibilities as a child, um, because I helped my mother, obviously. And um, just because you see how people treat different people or other people, and there is a very, there's quite a distinct difference of how people treat disabled people in that kind of minority oppressive situation compared to something like racism. Um, it's infantilizing it's um it, and you and you you very quickly realize like wow people don't know shit about anything at a young age because literally like i'd be going to like a restaurant or something with my mom and it's just that my mom's legs don't work so she's in a wheelchair that's that's all and um but the first thing people assume is that she can't speak for some reason or she doesn't understand anything so if we're ordering something they will ask the kids, me and my brothers first, and we're like, I don't know, just teenagers, right? So obviously we're not the adults in this situation and they'll ask us what we want to eat. And then they'll look at me or whoever's sitting next to my mother and say, does she want anything to eat? Well, and, I, hmm. and literally wow. I was like, ask her. I was like, ask her. <laughs> but wow. the thing is you tell them that and they don't change their behavior they they still do this thing of does she want sugar in her coffee and it's like well literally she's right here you can try asking her yourself and if that doesn't work then we can figure out another way but just don't assume and i even had a teacher once a substitute teacher try to tell me that um some kid in the class asked if people in wheelchairs could have babies and i i piped up and said yeah my mom she's in a wheelchair yeah um and and the teacher said oh she must have had you before the accident I was like, I was like, what, what accident? And she was like, well, you know, she, she couldn't have had you when she, you know, when she was in the wheelchair. 
And I was so gobsmacked that I didn't even bother answering or correcting her because I was like, <sighs> that was my pinnacle moment of people don't know shit. And, you know, yeah. you got to pick and choose your battles. You know, you got to, there was, it's, it's just like I said, I was exposed to lots of crazy, like, well, not crazy. It's not crazy. People go through this all the time. But, you know, the stuff that makes you think, it just makes you yes. ruminate, doesn't it? So... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I just want to say, like, hearing all this, um, it, I can see it reflected in your art. Like, I, I, I can see all these experiences, like, uh, you know, like influencing just the, the, the everything that goes into your, like, your work is, it's obviously deeply personal. Like, just at a glance, like, it feels very intimate, right? It, 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 it feels like, mm. I mean, these are your original characters. It's not like you're just making fan art, and, you know, trying to get like a million views. Like th this is like you, right? Like I, yeah. I, at least that's the, that's, that's the feeling I get. And then um, there's like an agency to the characters, you know, like they, like everyone's mm. sexy as hell and they definitely know it. And, <laughs> and they're all, they're looking right at you. <laughs> like yeah. the characters tend to look like right at the viewer, right? Like they know <laughs> that you're looking at them and they're, they're meeting your gaze and they're, like, there's hey, this confidence there. Yeah. And I can definitely agree. Like it's, it's so, it's so intentional. It's just like, it's almost as if like the art is like, it's like, you know, we look at art, but the art doesn't look at us, but this art, this art's looking at us. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. that's what it makes me feel like. Definitely. Oh, I'm glad, I'm glad you guys feel that way. Cause, um, I don't know. I think just when you go through so many experiences like that, kind of growing up and just seeing the way that people, I guess also, this is the thing. I know um, with a lot of people um, with ADHD, they can really suffer from um, not being able to latch onto parts of conversation or focus on a conversation because it's not something they're able to hyperfixate on. But however, I really lucked out that I find people extremely interesting and I can hyperfixate on a conversation without problem. But that also means if somebody says something, that's stuck with me forever. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget it, right? Yeah, I, I, I won't yeah. forget it. So all these all of these instances and all of these um all of these kind of interactions, they they stay right into the forefront of the mind and they're they're part of like they are part of conscious decisions. Um and yeah, I would say, I think I just, you know, seeing so many people like kind of go around my mother to try and talk to us and just cut, like just watching people you love get cut out of a conversation because the other person couldn't be bothered to know better. I think I'm just, I, I just don't like beating around the bush so to speak. I yeah. like, I do appreciate a directness. Um, and that doesn't mean that I, I want to be blunt with people. I try to be delicate with my words and I try to find the right way to express what it is that I'm saying. Cause I also struggle sometimes expressing myself accurately or correctly, mm. getting details mixed up and stuff, um, like getting details mixed the wrong way around or backwards. Um, but yeah, these things they they just they just they just stick. And also, yeah, there's definitely a bit of spite in there because I remember I'll tell you this other anecdote. Um, where my brother used to draw, by the time I was like getting up to the age of ten and he was like around the age of fifteen, we were both drawing pictures and I showed my brother Nelson. I was like, Look at this picture I drew. Because that's what you do when you're that age. You draw something, you're like, Everybody in the house, look at this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I showed this to him and his friend was there. 
And the friend looks at the picture and looks at me and looks at Nelson and goes, you better be careful because she's going to start drawing better than you soon. Like, that was like Whoa. some sort of threat. <laughs> That's crazy. Got, part of me, like, of course, inside, I was like smirking, like, yes, I will. <laughs> but also, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it, there is a, a definite deliberateness to it. And I don't know. I just, I don't know. It's just fun making things sexy as well. It puts yeah. people on edge a little bit. It, it, it does. Oh, it does. Uh, I, I kind of, you know, we obviously have our own like journey and uh, path, but I definitely have had instances in my life as an artist where I felt like I had to sort of work within a very uh, confined boundary of mm -hmm. what was, I guess, acceptable. And uh, you know, through a lot of sort of like personal like analysis for myself. It's like, well, wait, like, aren't you happier when you express yourself exactly the way that you want? Um, mm. And, you know, obviously one of these things, I mean, Richmond's probably going to blush a little bit, but he's part of the reason why I was able to understand that, like about myself as an, an artist and as a creative. And from that point, uh, when I became more sincere about what I wanted to express, uh, my work got better uh, mm -hmm. more people got interested in the IP. Um, and it just turned out to be like the best thing that could have possibly happened to me. So, you know, when I'm hearing you talk about all these things that, you know, motivated you just be like, no, fuck it. You know what? I'm going to do what I want to do, uh, because I know mm -hmm. I have an intent behind it and I understand what it is. Uh, it just, it, 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 it's just another reiteration of like, yeah, man, just be the artist that you always wanted to be. You know, regardless of like what someone else might yeah. say or or think, uh, because you're gonna make the better you're gonna make better art. You know, like oh, yeah, every time. You know. I mean, authenticity yeah. wins every time because like when you're authentic, that is when you're truly giving something to the world that literally no one else can like do. Like yes. you are the culmination of all of these different experiences in a in a different time that hasn't yet even existed yet because you are living in it now. And as you put all that stuff together inside your own little brain and then you put it out and spit it out on the paper or the video game or whatever it is that you're making, the more authentic it is, the more people are going to be like, I understand this because people want like, I don't, I don't know, maybe I'm naive still and maybe I'm not jaded enough, but like, I still feel that people absolutely want to connect with something like at the end of the day, it is why you know, when people see that fine art stuff, that's like ridiculous amount of money, you know, why that stuff does end up with the kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not popularity, but the reputation that it gets. Like, it's that thing of how we connect with different things of art all the time. And if we sometimes dig deeper and see the authenticity of the art that we thought was also kind of stupid at the start, we then like either get hit with a wave of, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't see this before. Or you can continue to think that the thing is stupid and that's also awesome and okay because you're like, ha, it was as shallow as I thought it was. Like, I don't know. There's just something, there's just something about authenticity that I think people just naturally gravitate towards. And when you're, when you're doing that as well, when you're putting that into your work, like, you just do it with like a fierceness that just comes with like the force of a thousand suns. Like 
you you don't think about how other people are going to receive it because you're just giving it out there in the world. And I think, I don't know, to me, that's always just so much more of an exciting experience than something I felt was designed for me by somebody else. Because I could have just made it myself if I wanted it just for me. You know what I mean? Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, I, absolutely. It, it's, um, I, it, it, it is really hard for people to be authentic, I think, because it also involves mm. be, being vulnerable. <laughs> it's really yes. like exposing oh, yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, I, I mean, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, please, please oh, go. Oh, you, buddy, go, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, no, I was going to say, like, I mean, I guess, like, on the topic of authenticity and trying to put yourself 100% into something, um, that was kind of what happened with Sorry, We're Closed. Um, yes. So, yeah, so with that, well, with the game, um, what ended up happening, I think I mentioned earlier, like, my partner, he was working at a company, which... You know, he liked the people and stuff there, but it wasn't the work he was wanting to do. Um, and so he was like, I'm going to I want to make games, he said. And he wasn't thinking about it in the sense of I want to go to the game industry. Just I want to make games as a hobby. So he was like, I'm going to join a game jam. And I was like, all right, that's cool. You know, I said from my office room and I was like, I'll check in on you later. And I go in there. And yeah, he, he started making like a character move around. It was a humanoid character. And I. And then, like, I saw it there, and I was like, I can make this look better. <laughs> it's like, and, you know, he, it was just like something he came up with. And I was like, Tom, I'm going to make a bunch of models for you, and we're going to, I'm going to work on the game gem with you. And with that, not only was I contributing to the art side of it and doing the models and the animations and stuff, um, we started talking about how the game's actually going to work together. Because if I'm making the models, I need to know how they work. But of course, if he's telling me how he thinks they will work, I'm going to say what I think about that. So, you know, we um, had a back and forth on it and it was just so much fun. And we spent so like we were up so late, like on the day that it was supposed to be submitted, we didn't sleep like we were just working up until seven in the morning and press the submit button. Nice. And oh, it was such an amazing feeling. We never made anything like this before. I never animated. I never made a 3D model before. Like, I just opened up Blender and was like, okay. Really? Yeah. Wow. I started. What? I started That's using really? Blender. <laughs> I started using Blender in 2019. Oh, my and, goodness. Um, I, I know the date that I opened it up. Um, it was November 8th because I made a post, like, literally, I made, like, a little humanoid shape and threw it into Mixamo, and I posted it on Twitter, and that was the same day that I started using Blender. Um, so I have, like, a, I literally have a timestamp on that. So we did, like, the game jam stuff. Like, it was kind of a back and forth between making Sorry We're Closed and doing these extra little projects that we were kind of coming up with. And um, so I st we the start date of Sorry We're Closed is also November 8th because we were like kind of talking about if we wanted to make a bigger game, what would that be like? And, you know, we had some ideas of what that would be and what we could do. And um, yeah, so started that in 2000, sorry, November 8th, 2019. Um, had a couple of breaks. We did Mech Jam 1 and Mech Jam 2. And... Did we do another one? I don't remember. I think maybe Tom did. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, and I don't know. It was just like, oh, it was so exhilarating because I could make my little, like my stupid little characters 
I can make them 3D and I can make them dance. And I was like, oh man, this is amazing. And um, we were just like literally Googling. Everything was just like Googling. How do you make, how do you put an animation into Unity? How do wow. I make an animation? Yeah. <laughs> wow. And um, it was. That's um, awesome. Yeah, it was, it was, it, it was like literally my putting your brain into like a smooth, like a blender and just blending it with all of this information and making like a game jam smoothie, but it was for this <laughs> project. And um, so, yeah, so like I, I did a couple, I think I did one like blender course in the meantime as well to try and learn animation, like how the actual animation part worked properly. But then I was like, okay, I need to make these characters work better so I did like a rigging course as well. So now I can rig the characters. So I was modeling them, rigging them. I had to Google things on like how to do the UVs on the, the characters so that I can make the texture sheets properly. Wow. So I, yeah, I learned that. And um, Tom all the time is he's then learning how do I put the animations and how do I make sure that like everything's working properly? He's like literally making the game work. And he only did web development stuff before. And um, so he's just Googling, okay, what is, can I do, what can I do with the game objects in Unity? <laughs> and um, yeah, so uh, fast forward to, um, I think it was October, 2020, was it? Yeah, it must have been October, 2020 when, um, uh, what are they called? They're, the horror ps1 thing oh i can't believe i can't remember that. haunted ps1 oh yeah, yeah haunted ps1 of course of course yeah, yeah. they do like awesome. a little indie dev show reel and um they like you get to submit a trailer um and they like put the show reel together and we submitted ours uh we submitted ours and you didn't you don't really get told if it was in there or not just because the people are doing it in their free time right so it's really difficult work and it's hard to organize there's so many people submitting so i can kind of understand like it's a little bit shaky so we it, they had to like they wanted to release it in september or something oh, sorry not september they wanted to release it at some point but it got delayed and then it got pushed back again and again and again um, actually not that many times it got pushed back I think a couple of times because um, I, I think also it was like during the pandemic so obviously it, things were like kind of shaky um, but then now they said okay the Eek 3 showreel is here um, and you know it's going to be on this day and that was it like we still didn't know if we were in it or not so we just had to watch it so it comes the day I can't even remember what day it is specifically my partner could tell you probably comes the day it starts up and we're like really buzzing because we're like oh are we in it or not are we in it or not and in the first few seconds of um the show reel they had like a bunch of one second clips from the different trailers and i saw michelle our protagonist's giant head oh, just like appear. Nice. i know i was like i was like where in it where in it? i was like tweeting oh my god where in it? and i was like just telling everyone and we're like literally screaming i was like oh that's amazing so we're just watching it and like kind of wondering what, what are the comments going to be like? I thought nobody would care about it at all. I thought people were going to be like, oh, this looks stupid. But um, I, it had such a good reception. Like people were like, what the hell is this game? And like, oh, my God, it's so gay. I love it. Like someone yeah. called it Sexy Silent Hill. 
uh, lesbian <laughs> nice. seven. Ha. Yeah, we had some. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was great and amazing. And I was absolutely buzzing. And I was riding the high of like people kind of finding out about our game. And me and my, my partner, when we used to walk our dog, you know, rest in peace, his little soul. But when we used to oh. walk him, oh. yeah, yeah, he was an old boy. When we used to walk him, Tom would be like, oh, it would be great if we could sell like 100 copies, he said. Like, even if we, even if we could just sell like a few hundred copies, that would be so amazing. Like that would be, that was our top, you know, diamond yeah. platinum, you know, record. That would be absolutely amazing for us. So we said that we posted the trailer and lots of people liked it. We thought, okay, maybe we can sell a hundred copies. Then I put the trailer on Twitter before we had a steam page. Cause I just didn't think like, I didn't think anybody was going to care about it. We had 60 followers at the time. Mm. So I posted it. And then, like, in the 24 hours, they got, like, over 100,000 views and, like, 7,000 likes. And just, like, out of nowhere, it exploded. Like, on a small scale. But, like, for me, that was big enough. And um, we were then contacted by publishers. And, gosh, That's I don't know amazing. if you want all the details of that. But, like, <laughs> that oh, please hard. keep going. Yeah. Keep going, yeah. So we were contacted by publishers. And, um, and actually, I don't know, maybe this information, like this kind of, you know, story will help other people kind of understand what actually happens and what's useful if they're putting an indie game out there. Um, but essentially, we were contacted by one publisher, and I was talking to a couple of other friends, I was already working in the game industry as a concept artist, but not as in, like not having any real power or control over a project. So I was speaking to some of my other friends in the game industry. And they were saying, yeah, definitely lawyer up um, and don't just pick the first person who comes to you. Like, get there, if people are interested, get it out there, show it to other yeah. people. Um, so we did that and um, we had four interested publishers. Um, one dropped out because they didn't currently have the funds and they said, come back to us in six months when we'll have the money if you haven't gotten anybody by then. But he said very nicely, but I don't think that will be a problem for you, which is very kind. Um, mm. One publisher said that, you know, um, you know, let's, we would like to see more of what you've, you know, let's see what you've got. And so did the other two. So out of the four, three of them wanted to see what is it that we had. And we said, okay, we don't actually have a game yet. We just made the trailer <laughs> and the trailer was all simulated because we didn't know what we were actually doing yet. <laughs> yeah. So everything in the trailer, it's just cutscenes, isn't just it? Vibes. It's not really... <laughs> yeah, it's essentially it the vibes, right? <laughs> so we said, we'll make you a demo in three months. Give us three months, we'll make you a demo, we'll have a pitch deck, and we'll show you everything that we got. And they said, okay. So me and Tom had to figure out in three months how to make a game. And we, yeah, we never done it before. So that was we were still doing our full-time jobs so like oh wow we, yeah wow. It was tiring it was also around christmas as well oh. So oh. <laughs> the social obligations oh yeah. yeah yeah so um we had the three months um we put together a pitch deck um we put together a demo which actually included you know some of the narrative elements because we said it was a narrative based game and it had some of the combat because we said we wanted combat in it and it had a couple of other things that we figured out and stumbled along the way 
and they saw it and um one publisher said that um well we kind of like it but we're not sure it's quite there yet so if you develop it more come back to us and i wasn't quite feeling like their vibe anyway so i was like mm, okay maybe another publisher said we like this but we want you to develop this prototype more so what if we give you like you know 15 grand and you work on it for a couple of months and then we decide and me and Tom were very on the fence about that because 15 grand sounds nice, but we can't both quit our jobs for that. You know, we, yeah. I decided that, you know, I was telling Tom, like, this game is going to be like our escape ticket to work on it. Like, we're going to both quit our jobs and this is what we're going to do. This is what I want it to be now. And I was very persistent on that. And um, that wasn't enough for us. And the final publisher who was actually the first publisher to contact us to begin with. They were the most enthusiastic. They said, yeah, let's do it. Um, the first time we talked to them all, to, to the publisher, like they had loads of people on the call, um, which is Akupara publisher, by the way, that's like who we're partnered with now. And, you know, they were so excited about the game that they like, he like had loads of people from the team there who were like saying, we want this game. We're really excited about it. Can we have your game, please? And um, we were like, uh, uh, sure. <laughs> and we then, you know, then the whole thing with like the contract and lawyers and all this stuff, which I think the only detail I'll really get into on this, because it's not exciting to listen to really, is um, anybody who is wanting to talk to a publisher or anything for and getting serious about it. Yes, getting a lawyer is important, even though it seems expensive. There are going to be things in there that doesn't like it does it, it how do i say there are going to be things in the contract that you're not going to even realize what it's saying like it doesn't quite look like regular english yeah. because it's so specific and as well as yeah. that it took Legalese, us, yeah 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 exactly and it took us four months to sort out the contract and it's not because they were being playing hardball but it has to be specific. There's, you know, there's money involved and there's responsibility. So everybody's responsibilities needs to be completely laid out bare. And that takes a lot of work. So, yeah, anybody wanting to sign a contract, I hear that three months is a short amount of time. Like that's a, a standard quick amount of time for a contract to go through with a publisher. Usually it can go up even as far as six months. So you know, don't get discouraged to anyone out there who's listening. <laughs> no, absolutely. absolutely. I'm friends, I'm, I'm friends with someone in that area. Hmm. Yeah, I was just, I'm friends with someone in that area who's like a, an IP lawyer as well. And it's just like, it's one of those things that they've told me about, just like the length of time that people sort of like, I guess, think that things would take. Like to them, it's very different than how other people actually see it. So like, as you mentioned mm -hmm. there, like, it's just really, it's very, very good to try and find someone who is a professional in different areas of like just the general legal world and speaking to them in a professional way is very important. You need to find mm -hmm. someone who is going to be able to help you out with the, the legalese that we may not be very um, just familiar with overall, I think. But mm -hmm. yeah, there's just something that I wanted to get into very quickly as well. Um, obviously, it's really good to hear about like how I guess like Alamo came together and like what ended up sparking so much of that creative team up 
like could you just tell us some more about that like creative like person's work-life balance and how it is that you found that i guess because obviously you were still like working in those other like, positions too but at the same time you had this this dream this, this goal that you wanted to you know make it to reality so like what was like areas what what were some areas of uh, challenges that you faced uh, with uh, making that a reality yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, I want to preface it a little bit with saying that um, we were, were lucky enough that we're both like, you know, we don't have any like kids to look after. And at the same time, it's not like we have any like real big dependents in our life at the moment. Um, so you, that made things obviously a lot easier for us. And um, but I think I don't know, I think probably the biggest challenges was actually trying to keep up the motivation for the jobs that we were in um, oh. because it seems it seems very easy when you're getting a good like if you're getting a good response from whatever side product you're working on it seems very easy to want to just drop everything else and put all your eggs into one basket um, but that is not the thing to do because Okay, yep. I said that four publishers were interested, but how that story ended was only one was ready to go. And on top of that, it took us four months to get there. So what happens if they decided at the end that they didn't want to do it, then we would be, you know, dead in the water. So keeping the motivation to stay on the regular job is hard, but you have to do it because otherwise, you know, you don't have a backup plan. Um, yeah. And... I think sometimes it's something that's kind of like maybe glossed over a little bit in things that are like uh, industries of passion, I would say, like comics and games and, you know, what have you, creative industries. Um, you know, the uh, the thing I, or the idea, you know, if you work hard enough, you'll get the payday, even if it's a small one. However, you know, that payday can take a long time. And if you are not careful keeping that second job or even that part-time job or making sure that your security is there, you will fall apart both financially and probably right before or right after mentally. Cause you know, that's an, a, an incredible amount of stress to be without money and to be without someone, you know, without like someone who's biting, you know, willing to take on your project. Um, so I had to keep working you know, Tom had to keep working at his job, which, like I said, he he was okay with the people, but like he was finding the work difficult in different ways. Um, and for me, I really enjoyed the company I was working with in some respects. Like I liked the people there as well. You know, because most of the time when you leave a job, it's not because you hate everyone who's there. It's like that's not how it happens. Um, but I just wasn't finding the work satisfying, and I think that was showing in my work that was showing like I was doing less concepts and I was just feeling guilt every day like oh my god I'm like what am I doing I feel like I'm being paid for like not very good work and getting imposter syndrome which meant I did less work and less work and less work and um yeah so I had to try and stick it out as long as possible and eventually I think I got to the tail end of what I was able to do I just couldn't because like I, I think I tried to explain to my husband, like, uh, where, like, with the ADHD, if you're not into the thing that you're doing, it's like, it's, it's almost like someone stabbed you with a syringe of, like, sleeping drugs, 
Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's so difficult to focus. I tell my husband, like, sometimes it's like pulling teeth. Like, you're sitting there trying to do the work, and then you're having, like, panic attacks because you're like, I'm an adult. I should be able to just work, right? But you can. It's it's like someone's like in your brain and just squeezing all the blood out of it, and that's what you're left with, and you have to work with that. And it's like I'm falling asleep at the desk, literally, and just like not able to get up in the mornings. Like I just felt completely exhausted because the brain is having to work so much harder. So um, those were my personal struggles, um, and I think. I think, yeah, I would probably say that was the biggest struggle. I mean, there's the other struggles of actually putting a game together and putting a pitch deck together, which, you know, I wouldn't mind talking about. There's a lot of, I think, yeah, please details. Do. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, obviously putting the game together, it's not just the case of, like, making something that, well, I guess it almost was in our case. We made something that looked cool, but we didn't have a demo yet. But, um... <laughs> I think the reason why our trailer in, uh, brought intrigue is because we had an idea of what the goal of the project actually was. We laid out a lot of um, how we thought the game was going to work. You know, we tried establishing what was important to the game, what were the what were the functions that we were going to do in the game, and um, trying to keep it as simple as possible because we knew just in the nature of working in a creative industry to begin with, even if we hadn't made a game before, we knew that it was going to balloon. It was going to get bigger and bigger all the time. We had that with the Game Jam games. We thought, we'll just do this one level, and then we try to make three. Or we'll just do this one, you know, kind of mechanic. And then we'd be like, oh, but what if they could change clothes? Like, you know, what if they could change color? So we tried as hard as we could to keep it really simple at the start. Um, so that gave us an end goal that gave us an idea of how the game was meant to play it meant we kind of figured what kind of atmosphere we were going to have and it meant that we knew what kind of characters we might like to have in the game and what kind of story we wanted to tell Um, so getting that sorted out first of all you know we we were sitting drawing on pieces of paper we weren't like making a whole lot you know I hadn't started working on blender that day you know on November the 8th it was you know there was paper first um I feel the need to tell you that every game I've ever worked on started with, hey, it looks cool, but we have no gameplay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. The real, that's the real game dev experience. Big time. Yeah, it's pretty common. Yeah. It's struggle. <laughs> anyway. Big time, big time, big time. Yeah. But I mean, I think the thing too is like, I think it happens that way because when we're little, we're kind of attracted to like, oh, this game looks cool. And you keep playing it, even if it's, like, kind of shit to play. Like, because it looks cool. Like, the characters look awesome. Or you're trying to, kind of interested in what's going to happen. So, yeah, I think we just sort of naturally gravitate towards what looks cool. But, mm. yeah, we tried. We tried to do things the way in which we thought it would work. And it kind of did, you know. Um, so, you know, we, we planned out what we wanted to do. We knew what we had to learn, sort of. Like, we had an idea of what we had to learn. Obviously, new things would come along the way. And I think it was just the case of just diving right in. We chose the method of, all right, Tom didn't even know how to make a character controller yet. Um, hmm. I, yeah, he was like, he had to figure out how to make the character controller work correctly. 
we had to spend a day or not a whole day. We spent like maybe an hour or two trying to think about camera angles because our cameras, our game, as you could probably might have seen by the trailer, is like it's fixed camera angles, but you shoot in first person. And as well as that with fixed camera angles, it's like I was telling Tom, I hate tank controls. So we have to figure out, like, can we do this without tank control somehow? And we had to do a lot of like messing around with stuff. And essentially we found a way. But what it meant was we had to restrict ourselves as or our creative like decisions, which was um, if you have fixed camera angles in a game and you want it to be the case that when a player continues from one camera angle to the other, and you don't want to immediately make the the character jump and change direction. What you do is you carry the momentum on from the what the player is moving. So if the player is pushing up and the character is moving up and the next camera angle turns a little bit to the right, you let the player continue to push up and Michelle continues to walk towards the direction she was originally walking in. And um, yep. We use that 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 carry on momentum. A lot of games that I think the Resident Evils, the remakes, they do this. Now the problem comes in when you have a camera angle that's a dramatic change. If you have a camera that's facing one way and the next camera is facing 180, so it's facing backwards. If the player is pushing up and you allow them to continue to move upward, now they're moving back to the other spot, and then they get stuck. And the camera's going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I realized as we were doing our testing in our little rooms, I said, well, let's think about human perception and what we can get away with. It doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be good enough for people to deal with it because we do that all the time in real life. And we realized if we don't change a camera angle more than 45 degrees, people are fine. So we can just make sure that we don't change the camera angle for more than 45 degrees. And then we mm -hmm. realized as we kept building more uh, cameras, well, what if we want to go around a bend or change the direction of the cameras eventually in this area? And we decided, sorry if this is too technical, but I, I really no, Please keep going, it. so good. No, this is <laughs> great. That's very good. So eventually we made a pivot camera, which allowed for, um, you know, it tracks the character as they're, as they're walking around it. That's what I mean, not a pivot. It's a tracking camera. So it's in the camera's fixed in one spot, but as Michelle moves, it kind of follows her around within that perimeter. And we realized if we use a tracking camera, we can almost reset the direction that the player then gets to move in without having to have a door load or... Uh, you know, some sort of cut scene or something that allows us to reposition a camera. So it got more and a little more and more complex over time, but we created this whole system of like making sure that in particular areas that the cameras are facing in particular ways so that when a player moves through them, they don't have to ever worry about repositioning themselves as if they were in tank controls, nor would it push them around awkwardly because the camera angles were too different. And that took us half a day <laughs> just for the cameras. <laughs> and it seems kind of silly because I'm sure that's something many people figured out before, but- I, 
I'm just going to tell you right now, half a day is very fast. Yes. Yeah. I've spent weeks on stupider things. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like, in my game downtime, I'm, I'm, t- I'm just telling you right now, like, we spent, like, four weeks on, like, one project, and just, like, you just talk about doing things in, like, such a short period of time. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's that hyper-focusing. <laughs> <laughs> Which... Yeah. It's a bit of a, it can be a bit of a, like, what's the word, like a power and a curse. But um, I think at the same time, though, um, me and my partner, we work very well um, in terms of like, uh, trying to go through logical things. And I'm not particularly good at maths, like, you know, doing rudimentary calculations off the top of my head. But I think we both have particular logical minds that work in different ways. Um, And I think that just it just makes it click. He's, I'm able to say why something doesn't work in a particular 3D space because of like, I think people's perceptions or what they will think should happen. And he is then able to kind of just code it out loud to me and tell me, well, if this is happening, then we need to have it in this way. And then I can say, but if that happens at this point, will that then carry through to this? You know, it's like, it makes the work go so much faster. And on top of that, me and him are sharing, you know, we're doing the multiple hats thing, right? So all of my responsibilities of having to model, rig, and texture, and animate, and import those characters, if something is wrong, I just fix, I don't have to send it to somebody else to fix it. I just fix it. I see it. I see that it's wrong, and I don't have to send it back. I know how to fix it. I've already, I made it, so I know how to fix it. And that makes it so much faster. And that's not to say that industry, like companies should make their people do multiple roles and put them through that. But it's something that I enjoy doing at the moment because this is my personal project and because we're such a small team, it's just the two of us that I can do that, right? So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, so good. So it's so refreshing to hear just thinking about the ways in which people, as you've mentioned before, utilize and even just something like Google, finding out how it is that you can do something, especially with respect to the wealth of information that exists today and like the ease of access that, you know, so many people have towards this, uh, this sort of amount of software, which we can, you know, utilize and mm-hmm. bend to our will, so to speak. I think it's just, it's really nice to hear the approaches that you've taken and also just thinking about, again, you're doing all of this with a partner as well. You know, you're doing this yeah. with someone who you know and understand and love and care about on so many different levels that go past obviously just work itself. I think that that's a very important, um, it's a very important partnership and important important part of teamwork and i think it's just it's mm-hmm. it's really interesting to uh to hear about like just the ways in which you mentioned them it would, it would be a pleasure honestly to have you both on at some stage but i mean like yeah mm-hmm. I, I think it will be really cool to just see how more of that continues to develop between the work that you both share and how it is that, that will continue to as it seems now positively affect the, the project and i think it's definitely palpable that, you, that this is a labor of not just love of um of the craft of making games, but of each other and, and of uh, what it yeah. is that you both, I suppose, mean for each other. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, in terms of like sharing how the stuff is made, it's something that we definitely want to do more of. And like kind of going on to the topic of like seeing how people share their work online and like, because I see there's like the question here, like, how does it affect us? And that kind of like falls into that. Um, we want to share as much as we possibly can but then at the same time you know you have that thing of like you don't want to give too much away right yes and um that makes it difficult and 
the thing is, is I'm, I think, more like kind of media savvy, like online social media savvy than Tom is because I've been doing it since I was 11. Since, like I said before, I've been posting pictures online of my drawings, like since I was 11. So, um, you know, I've, I've been, I, I've been through it all. And as a little caveat, my little favorite story to tell everyone, I tell everyone this all the time and they're probably tired of hearing it. So sorry to my friends for having to listen to this one more time. But when I was 11, there was a website called Renderosity where you could post art and like shitty 3D models and stuff that people did. It looked awful. Everything was terrible on that site, but we all had an, an amazing time. Um, and I did a pen drawing of like a super anime girl like she had a big forehead though but like she looks cool <laughs> in my mind like her head massive, but like i was like oh man this is so cool and and not only that i did a dragon a dragon that was like it had like six arms and it was like doing a cool pose with four of them and leaning on what it was sitting on with the bottom two wow and it had a big two body right it was like really long like a snake and it had all down the side of it it was like i wanted the skin to look like it was stapled like nailed on wow. right so yeah. i i did this around the whole body like where it was like stretched on one side and wrinkly on the other side right and i was like this detail's amazing i was like this is the best thing i was like i am michelangelo and i posted <laughs> it online i literally i was like this is amazing i posted online it was all drawn in pen as well and i'll show you the picture if i can find it i'm not on my computer so i'll have to send I it later see this. yeah yeah. So I posted it on Renderosity and I was ready to become like the next famous artist. And <laughs> people were posting like, this looks amazing. Like, this is like crazy good. Right. And these were like people that I knew on Renderosity, some of my friends, some new people. And then I go to sleep and I wake up and I'm excited to see what comments did I get today? And the first thing I see is some anonymous poster who said, why is this getting any praise? this looks terrible what like oh. basically yeah they were like this doesn't mm. look good at all it's drawn pretty poorly and why is it on lined paper and like that was the first comment i ever had that was like like that and i had all of these emotions i wanted i started writing comments back to them saying like do you know you're talking to an 11 year old like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I had all these things I wanted to say, but I didn't ever respond to it because I think that was the day that I learned like, wow, it was like there was there were just going to be people online. But, you know, I guess this is a common theme, like the the, per yeah. the woman telling me that my mom couldn't have had me is, you know, like people trying to tell me what I am or what I do or how I am. And like like it's a factual statement. And I was just like you know what, whatever, I got drawings to make. I'm going to go do those right now. Like, you know, you just yeah. move on. Uh, but yeah, so in terms of showing things online, I'm used to it. You know, I know what I'm, I'm doing. And um, Tom, you know, he's busy working. But what it does mean is like, I don't get to show off a lot of stuff because the stuff that I make is quite like, you know, that's like part of the story and things. Like that's the kind of things that people don't want to be spoiled about too much. Of and course. all the stuff that yeah and all the stuff that tom makes that's the stuff that's funny like the things breaking and like the stuff in unity like that's gone wrong he should be the one recording that stuff and like you know then we post it but there's like a disconnect at the moment where we feel like we want to show everything but we can't show anything so um yeah that one i haven't quite figured it out yet so i just keep posting like i don't know my sexy characters like hey guys what do you think of this 
<laughs> and they're hoping I, <laughs> that people don't yeah. get bored of it yet. <laughs> Oh, believe, I, I don't think anyone's getting bored anytime soon. But yeah, I, I totally feel you on that, though. It's it's so strange, isn't it, the ways in which just a singular comment can like just change how it is that we perceive what it is that we're mm-hmm. trying to do and just and stuff. I, I've been through a similar thing, definitely. But yeah, I, it's just um, it's really good to hear at least again. Like you thought about this, though. You have ways of you know not only just like helping yourself understand, but ways of kind of healing. It seems it seems that. Mm-hmm. So much of what it is that you've described here are sort of like acts of restoration and acts of like being able to protect your own peace and space and mind. And I think that's a really valuable thing, especially in, you know, like we were saying earlier, like the ways in which that we've grown up like online. I mean, like I started, you know, using Twitter for the first time back in like 2011. I would have been like maybe what, 15, maybe 14, mm-hmm. something like that. But yeah, but I've been online prior to that again from maybe like seven years old, six years old. But it's one of those things where it, it just just a, you grow up on you grow up on on a line you grow up on yeah. a on a, on a tightrope in essence in a very early age at a very early age you kind of understand that you could either sort of like take one step and something can happen online in the world you have like the idea of like mm. consequences people can see you people can react to you and i think it's just a very intriguing way to sort of like have us think about the art and that what and what we create but just sort of lift, going into sort of like the last general sort of question sort of is there anything that also sort of um actually inspires you as well speaking about like other projects and other things that you sort of, that have sort of sort of brought you into a sort of more fulfilled mm-hmm. version of like i suppose your own creative vision sort of is there anything recently that you've seen in the past three four maybe five maybe even longer years but anything that really sort yeah. of helps direct you Oh, gosh. Um, I would probably say um, in a very like kind of practical inspiration, um, uh, Paradise Killer. Um, and I, I, did, <laughs> I did a couple paintings. Um, so Kaizen Gameworks made Paradise Killer. And um, I got to talk to um, there's it's mainly I think there's a third person with them now. Um, but at the time, I think it was mainly the two people working on it. I might be mistaken. Um, Phil and Ollie. And um, I talked, you know, a bit of back and forth with Ollie while doing the, the, the paintings and stuff, but I hadn't known much about the game. He showed me and I thought it looked pretty cool. And I did the paintings and it was cool to have my stuff actually in a game, like credited and it's actually out there. Mm-hmm. I didn't think Paradise Color was going to like blow up the way it did. I had no idea. Like it just kind of came out of nowhere and like a lot of people loved it. And um, it, um, I, w- I played it myself and I was like oh man, this game's really fun, actually. It was exactly what I needed at the time. I needed something really story heavy, something that had like, you know, a bit of goofiness to it, but also had like deep moments. It took itself seriously. And um, I don't think it ever tried to like subvert itself. Like it has, it has like, you know, like all these like like, fantastical characters in it, which I love. And I played it and I was like in love with it. And I like just sat down and played it over the weekend nonstop basically. And I saw at the end, it was made by two people. And I said, I can do that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So like, I, or at least I felt, I felt that, you know, I was like, if they can do it, then, then uh, there was something my my husband, Yeah, yeah. My husband told me once a, a while ago when we were first together, and I, I never forget. It. I always say this to myself all the time now. There's two things I say. One for my mother, which is you don't have to prove anything to anyone, and then the second thing for my husband, which is 
if the you know if somebody's done something they're just like a person they're just they're just people they just learned how to do it you're a person too you can also learn how to do it like that's just all it is so yeah that's just what i do now like i think if someone else has done this and has learned how to do it i can also learn so yeah why not let's just let's just make a game so that's yeah. exactly what we're doing now gosh that's such a healthy way of looking at things it's a beautiful sentiment for sure oh what a great way to end ah that's so good yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't realize, like, I I thought, like, because I, I, I was thinking, like, oh, I'm, I can't be that long because dinner and my husband's going to want to make dinner and stuff. I think it can hear him moving the pots and pans now. So, yeah, sorry for, like, really blabbing and taking up most of the oh, time. No. Don't, <laughs> don't, how we dare all, we you? This all like, on our own. We do this, we do this all on our own. Oh, no, no that is the intention. Yeah. 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 yeah, we are, yeah, this has been we, we are the tangent clan. Like, we... Yeah just go on and go on so no you're, you're fitting right in and i mean honestly this yeah, has been great absolutely we really we're is. the champions of the part two and part three trust me the first time that i ever came <laughs> on this show mm. it's a it's a whole thing like we ended up doing dark stalkers for what four parts i was gonna yeah. say uh, <laughs> oh no it's yeah. it's, it's longer like, than it's that like it's like six it's 13 hours so, yeah 13 of, hours of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god yeah uh, but i mean it's easy That's to get into I think if you, you know, if you're the type of person to ruminate and to make a lot of conscious thoughts about what you're doing, it's really easy to kind of, I guess, explain it. Um, and that takes time. So, Absolutely. yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, measured and forethought thoughts. Absolutely. But I just want to say thank you so much for coming on, though. We're just going to do our, I guess, regular outros now. But I just wanted to say again, like, I've wanted to do this for such a long time. I've respected your work for ages. And it's just a pleasure to see everything that Alloyd is doing and yourself as well. I'm just really excited for the future. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh. We will have you back on, I'm sure. But just, yeah, keep on rocking so. out in the free world and living out living out yeah. your dreams. It's, it's so good to see. Oh, I got it. I got to do, I got to do before we go, I got to do my last thing of saying, wish list, sorry, we're closed on Steam. All right, guys? Like, oh, yeah, to all the listeners, yes. all yep, the listeners, you mm. can wish list, sorry, we're closed on Steam. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I want yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be, uh, I'll, I'll be, I'll be on that tip as well. I just want to say that you can follow uh, C. Bedford as well at C. Bedford Art as well, if you would like to do so. You can also mm. follow Alamode Games at the Alamode, A-L-A-M-O-D-E, Games, G-A-M-E. ES on Twitter and you can learn all everything that you need to know about Sorry We're Closed. You can find them on Steam as well but just definitely check them out. Doing such Thank great you. work and I'm going to throw the ball over to Richmond for our kind of formal closeover. So Richmond, do your thing brother. Let's get out of here. All right, all right. Um, yeah, first thank you. Uh, thanks CB so much for joining us. This has been such a pleasure. It, it's, mm. it's so fun. Um, I, I hope we can uh, have, have, have you back on in the future. Um, but um, yeah, really, really enjoyed uh, this recording. Okay, so uh, yes, also thank you uh, to our dear listeners if you made it uh, all the way to the end here. Um, I hope you had as much fun as we did uh, recording this. Um, yeah, if you're enjoying the podcast, uh, please know um, you can follow us on Twitter at Art Eater Podcast. <clears throat> Excuse me, that's A R T E A T E R Podcast. Um, yeah, uh, that's whenever we have any new podcasts, uh, that's the first place, uh, you'll, you'll find out, uh, please, you know, follow us. You can also talk to us, let us know how we're doing, shoot us a line. Um, and if you want to, uh, catch up on our old podcast, you could head over, uh, to our website, uh, art eater, 
Uh, that's uh, art-eater.com. Click on the podcast section and uh, everything we've ever recorded, you can you can find it there. And hopefully we're on whatever platform, uh, you know, that you like to hear, listen to your podcast on. Um, yeah. And uh, oh, yes, Which I always forget. One do... more thing. The, the yes, 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 yes. Yeah. <laughs> we do have a Patreon. I always, always forget about this. We do have a Patreon. Um, yeah, yeah, just head over to uh, patreon.com slash arteaterog. Um, yeah, so that is our Patreon. Um, we're, we're not like super active on Patreon, but, um, you know, if you like the podcast, if you like, uh, you know, the website, all the stuff we post to Twitter, um, yeah, please consider supporting us there. Um, at the very least, it would help us uh, keep the uh, website up. You know, it does cost money to, to host uh, the, 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 all the different podcasts, um, on the different platforms. And, um, you know, we're hoping to expand in the future too. Yeah. Like, uh, keep, keep doing the podcast, of course, maybe even start doing videos. Yeah. Um, yeah. Big stuff, big stuff that we want to do. Big uh, stuff, big stuff coming down the, the pipes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, um, gosh, uh, yeah, you, you can follow me too. If you enjoy the podcast, you can follow me on Twitter at Richmond Lee. That's R I C H M O N D underscore L E E. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm on there way too much. Uh, if you want to chat about art and cool stuff, um, yeah, just, just, uh, send me a line there and, um, oh yes. Um, I also do make games for a living. Uh, we're working on um, two games that we've, we've announced and some secret games I can't talk about yet, but, um, mm. you do. Yes, yes. Oh, James knows. Oh, James knows. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, we have been working on a really cool uh, mecha strategy game called Zeka Tactics. Um, you can find out more at zekatactics.com. That's C-E-C-H-A uh, tactics.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. That's, um, oh, okay, I got to look this up. I, this is terrible. At Z-E-C-H-A tactics. Uh, yeah, add Zeka Tactics. That's it. Add Z-A-C-H-A-T-A-C-T-I-C-S. Um, yeah, and then um, you can also, uh, another cool game that we're working on is Lost and Found Co., which is just yes. a super cute, very cute uh, hidden object game. We're pouring our hearts into this game. This, this, is, this is not your average hidden object game. This is a game full of, like, you know, just, 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 it's a living, breathing world full of hundreds of different characters. And there's actually like a story and, you know, um, gosh, like our, our, our team is pouring their hearts into it. Um, you know, uh, the game dev scene in Thailand is, is very young and, uh, we, we got just a young, hungry, ambitious team, uh, making this game. Yeah. Um, and we're super excited about it. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at underscore lost and found co that's a L O S T. Uh, and found f-o-u-n-d-c-o um yeah uh, so th those are the games we're working on and everyone uh please you know let everyone know uh what are you up to and how can people follow along hey i'm sean uh you can follow me on twitter at daborsk d-a-b-o-r-s-k uh as i usually mentioned uh, i'm also doing a lot of uh, mentoring uh on adplist.org uh I don't, I, the actual link is harder to type in than just going to the site and typing my name in if you want to uh, mentor with me. I don't know what the verb version of that is. Ment with, anyway, um, it's, it's free both directions. Uh, it's, it's really for uh, a lot of people that are, if you're trying to get into design or product or engineering, it's just a, a ton of people in the industry that are willing to give their time. Uh, they'll do portfolio reviews. 
help you with, with uh, you know, job interviews, give you advice, uh, that kind of thing. And it's international. Uh, I'd say about 40% of the people that I work with are uh, outside of the United States. Um, so yeah, uh, check me out on there. Um, otherwise, I'm starting to mess around more with like streaming stuff. So uh, if you want to watch me play <laughs> indie games, which is going to be mostly what I'm going to do, uh, check out Dvorsk Plays Games on, on YouTube. It's not going to be a big deal. I don't expect anyone to watch it. It's just about doing it myself. Um, and hmm. that is that is me. Nice. All right. Uh, hey, everybody. This is uh, James Stanley, the resident fighting game expert at Art Eater. Um, I am actually slowly but surely finding myself on Twitter more than uh, I normally am. Uh, but that's also a good thing if you like... Hong Kong cinema, vaporwave, 80s anime, uh, sexy, badass character designs with like, I don't know, Jack Burton to Chanel Chic. Um, <laughs> you can find all of these things on my Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is beefy underscore kunoichi. I'm going to spell that for you because it's a lot. It's B E F Y underscore K U. N-O-I-C-H-I. Um, I am a byproduct of the heyday of 80s anime, 90s Capcom and SNK fighting games, and good food. Um, so if any of these <laughs> things any of these things are appealing to you on my Twitter, uh, I post a lot about my project Part-Time Shuffle. Uh, I post a lot of illustrations of fan art. And uh, every now and then I do expose people to how great of a cook I am. Um, if you're really into these things, you should also check out my Patreon, which is also Beefy Kunoichi with no underscore for whatever reason. Um, but there you will find in-depth tutorials if you like my way of drawing and my crazy process of how I actually create things. Um, you can actually see them documented in PDF format and uh, go through the torture yourself. Um, but you can also see behind-the-scenes looks at Part-Time Shuffle as well as exclusive Patreon work that is not anywhere else on the internet. Internet, internet. Mm. Uh, but, <laughs> so, if you're interested in any of that, if you actually find any of it coherent, uh, you can go to my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash beefykunoichi. It is B-E-E-F-Y-K-U-N-O-I-C-H-I. Awesome. Uh, sup, everybody. Pleased to be here once again. It's your boy. It's Adam. It's AJ. What's going on? So it's your favorite game, level designer, pixel artist, and international taekwondo fighter. And it was once again great to be back here with the crew. Like, oh, I had such a fun time doing this. It was such a blast. And I'm really glad that this episode went so well. Uh, I go by AJ on Twitter. You can find me over there at AJ Mattis. That's at A-J-M-A-T-T-I-S. I love to share and retweet all kinds of cool art and creative projects that I see. If anyone wants and or needs any pixel art related work or help, Help. I'm active at the moment, so please do get in touch. People do send messages through every now and again too. So if you want to do that, I'm more than happy to. I won't buy anyone's head off. Come in, go say hi, and we'll have a good old conversation. But yeah, if you liked anything that I'd say, do drop me a follow so that you can hear some more. I'm going to throw the creative football once over again to C. Bedford. So glad to have you on the show. Thanks for coming through. Tell the people where they can find you. 
Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, uh, yeah, it was actually a lot of fun. You know, we got into some deep stuff and we got into some fun stuff. And um, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I am C Bedford Art on both like Twitter and Instagram. And those are like the two main places that I post. Uh, and that is C B E D F O R D A R T, if I remember how to spell but I don't know. Um, <laughs> and yeah, you can, you can just find me on Twitter and Instagram. So um, no, thanks again so much um, for having me. And yeah, I really enjoyed this. I, I feel like I got on with you guys really well. And yeah, I'd be delighted to come on again and like talk about, you know, other topics um, in the future. I know we were talking about um, in particular, like uh, racism and internalized racism and how we may speak about that sometime. And I'd totally be down for that. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah, no, it was just a blast. So and it was great meeting you guys um, for the rest of you guys who I haven't met before. Um, so thank you, AJ, for introducing me. And um, absolutely. Yeah. No, it was it was it was fun. Thank you. Cool. It's been such a pleasure. Such a pleasure. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. All right, everybody. So listeners, people out there in the world, in the universe, we are heading out to everyone. Peace out. Goodbye. We'll catch you all later. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Peace, peace, later. Peace. Wish list. Sorry, we're closed. Do it. Yeah, we out. Do it. Bye. Yeah, we out. Bye. Peace.